Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who've stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom, and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen, and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Today, I am here with Darren and Wendy Howarder. Did I say that right? It's pretty close. <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. And uh, they are living in Medellin. Colombia, and I have not interviewed anybody from Colombia yet, so I'm super excited to hear about that. And and actually, I've had lots of conversations recently that uh, that area has come up as um, potential location for people to move. So I can't wait to hear about what your experience has been like. So thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh, a couple of things that we tell a lot of so to speak, newbies or people that are not that familiar with Colombia. Um, Medellin, specifically Medellin, uh, I, I, I don't know why, but a lot of people come here to learn Spanish because it's considered a very, a very clean Spanish or a, not a lot of alteration. Um, and in, in Medellin, they, they pronounce the double L as a J instead of a Y. So, uh, what is tortilla in Mexico is tortilla here. Um, and the country of Colombia is spelled with two O's. There's no U in Colombia until you come here. Oh. All, right. All right. That's enough. That's it. Interview's over. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, okay, let's start with how did you end up in Colombia? So we were living in Northern Illinois, about two hours outside of Chicago. And um, small town where I was working and Darren was uh, kind of working from a larger town nearby, but we got really, really tired of the winters. Uh, it's just bitter, nasty weather up there. I mean, we could go from minus 20 degrees Fahrenheit in the winter to 110 degrees in the summer. And it was so extreme. And we realized we really only liked spring and fall, which was getting, it seemed shorter and shorter. So we started traveling. During the winter, we tried to get away from the winters and, and, you know, just get out of the ice and the cold and everything. And finally, we're like, you know, why are we vacationing someplace warm? Why don't we just move someplace warm? And, and on top of that, um, I'm a former attorney and my job was really getting stressful and um, I wasn't enjoying it so much anymore. And I didn't think that was fair for my clients. And we decided, you know what, while we're still healthy, we're, we're in our 40s, um, let's, let's do it now. Let's, let's take this plunge. Let's have an adventure. And um, we're going to need to find a place that costs a lot less to live because we're going to both be giving up our jobs. Um, and so we started researching and Darren found a couple different things online and that started our trip. I, I would say another motivating factor for us was we're, we were in good health then and we're still in good health now, but we knew that that uh, can end abruptly. Uh, we both had... had uh, friends or people that we had worked with that had uh, died recently, some were as young as 30 uh, or some 
just retired. And then six weeks later, they have a major heart attack and they're gone. And I said, yeah, I don't want to do this another 15 to 20 years and, and hope we make it. So we, we gave up our great earning years in the 50s uh, to reinvent ourselves somewhere else. Um, so we ended up finding live and invest overseas and attending a, a, man, or a multi-country conference in Florida. Uh, we went there with the idea of Belize, Ecuador, and Costa Rica. Those were the top three places on our list. And we left that conference after visiting with people that lived in each of those countries and a, and a lot of other very informative people. We left there knowing that we were going to go visit Belize, Ecuador, and Colombia, specifically Medellin. So we then uh, visited each one of those uh, countries, uh, attended conferences there, and then stayed around to try to live like a local, not be on vacation. Because if you're going to move there, you, you, you need to know. Where's a grocery store? Yeah. And what can you find in the grocery stores? And can I walk places or I'm going to need a car? All that kind of stuff that you, you don't think about when you're a tourist. Right. Yeah. We, we refer to that as a beta test. Right. Yeah. When they, <laughs> when they uh, try out new software, right? Beta test. And uh, so that's, uh, I have a, a gal on the island that moved down here about a year and a half ago. And so she and I are working together on uh, collaborating on, on uh, training workshops and, and whatnot, um, webinars. And, and uh, that's what she called it was the beta test. And I thought it, it stuck. So that's what, uh, what we're talking about that's, doing. And it sounds a, like you guys yeah. did that more than once, right? You, you did that in multiple countries. Um, yes. so that's awesome. Um, and all three places had, had wonderful features things that we enjoyed, things that we did not enjoy. Uh, but ultimately, Medellin, Colombia, really, it really felt like home. It was really comfortable. And of course, we knew all the dangerous stuff that people know. All this stuff is known for fact in the United States. Oh, I know. It's dangerous here. If you come down here, you're going to get uh, kidnapped. kidnapped, raped, and murdered, maybe in the same day. Um, and uh, it's, just, it's just insane down here. And what we found is that I, I was not very excited about a big city. Medellin is about three and a half million people, about five million in the valley. Three and a half million, that's the size of Chicago. I had no interest in living in Chicago. Nice place to visit, not to live. But when we got here, we found that the, it's, it's very small town friendly. I, we couldn't get over how helpful and kind the, the people were to us I, just on our first visit. Um, and so it really felt small town friendly to me. And that's a big reason why we fell in love with it. Plus the weather is fantastic. Uh, we're about a mile high in elevation. There are virtually no bugs here. I can't say no bugs at all. We, we actually brought a fly swatter from the United States because we get about two flies a week. Uh, but our apartment is open 24 seven. We don't have screens on the windows. Uh, we've got big sliding glass doors that are open all the time, unless we're on a Zoom call, so that we can have a little more quiet. Because it is a, a big city. Yeah, you still have some big city there's, noises. There's noise. But, okay, uh, so but, you are actually in in the city. You're not in an outline. Live in the high rise yeah. in oh. in the, the barrio called El Poblado, which is where a lot of expats have landed. It. I think it's because it feels so comfortable. It's familiar, but it's it's like Darren said, it's like a small town in the middle of a big town. So you have in your neighborhood. 
first of all, it's very green and leafy. So you don't see all the skyscrapers. All you see are trees and creeks and parks and things like that when you're walking the streets. But we have a, you know, a handful of good grocery stores nearby that we can walk to. We have wonderful international restaurants all within walking distance. So we kind of stay within our neighborhood which I do liken to Chicago. I grew up around Chicago and, and, you know, you've got Wicker Park and you've got Wrigleyville and, and people kind of have that hometown pride and their little neighborhood and they don't really leave their neighborhood unless yeah. they, they want to go to a museum or something like that. They stay in their own barrio. Exactly. And, and that's what we found here. And you, we walk from the farmer's market today and you just see people on the street that, you know, and you wave and you say hi and everybody's just really, really friendly. The one thing that I was very surprised about, and I'll just throw this out there and you can ask us more questions to keep us focused, but um, the city is incredibly clean and it's really? not something I'd ever thought of before, but I mean, there's little garbage pails on, on light posts and things and people just don't litter here. Nice. They are so proud of their city and that's a whole nother story that we might get into, but it's just the cleanest place I've ever lived. Yeah, and we go back to the States and I just look around and I go, Oh my gosh, look at all that trash. And somebody just threw their McDonald's wrapper over there. And I'm just so not used to that now because it's incredibly clean here. I love that aspect of it. Yeah, that's, that's, all. yeah, we have a big trash problem here on the island for a number of reasons. But yeah, there, there's, uh, it's not like that everywhere for sure. So was that the primary factor for, for choosing the place was really kind of the energy, the feel of it? Or were there other things um, that you want to talk about? Um, it, ease of accessibility and getting around, you know, we, we tell people Medellin is like a first world city and it, and it really is, cosmopolitan. uh, and ease of getting around the infrastructure, you know, the sidewalks are in good shape. When we were in Ecuador, most specifically Cuenca, you could still get around, you could still walk the city, but you know, the sidewalks clearly were not as good as, as they are here. Um, and depending upon where you, you were at in Belize, you may not have a sidewalk, right? You might just be walking down the road. Yeah, it's, it might be a sandy, dusty. We spent most of our time on the uh, island of Ambergris Key. At Ambergris Key, the big island off of Belize. Uh, and, there, and there's a lot of expats there uh, from around the world. Um, it, it's, it's fine, but. It's a place to visit, but we realized after two weeks of living there, we can't live on a beach. We vacationed to islands and enjoyed beach all the time on vacation. So it was easy to think that would be a great place to live. The more that we have researched and visited uh, islands, we know it's a great vacation. It's not where we want to live. Mm -hmm. Well, we're fighting the salt. Um, yeah. <laughs> and my husband's from Newport Beach, California, and he's like, I don't want to live this close to the ocean. Our house literally is 12 feet from breaking waves. Wow. So, I mean, air conditioning units, um, you know, even a computer we had, uh, we took in for repair and they said, what has happened to this? <laughs> it was completely corroded in the inside. So, yeah, there are definitely um, nice things about living by the beach, but there's definitely some, some trade-offs there. Uh it's those kind of things that you you don't notice when you when you go somewhere you go to the Caribbean or you go to Hawaii for two weeks and you're like oh it's a great vacation I could just live here yeah you know right there that's when you really find out what's working and what doesn't and and salt in the air that's a hell of a corrosive 
element. Yeah. yeah, well, he has a two-year-old motorcycle that looks like it's 20 years old. Um, <laughs> now, the good news is he only paid $800 for it. So, yeah. he was, so I mean, <laughs> but that's why he sold his BMW, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. You said something else, Don, that made me think of something. Um, because of our elevation, and we're so close to the equator, um, two things. First of all, we have 12 hours of sunlight every single day. Nice. It, which is weird. It, it, you know, I'm used to in the summer when it's warm out that it's still light out at nine o'clock at night. And here it gets dark between six and six thirty every day, and it's still warm. So that took me a long time to get that through my head. Yeah. But the other thing is our our weather is so temperate we have no heat and no air conditioning. Nice. So, so that, yeah, those costs are, are savings right there. I mean, our building does not even have ductwork for it. We don't have a thermostat on the wall. Um, it, that was something else that took a while to get used to not having oh what what's the temperature set at and do we have to turn the heat on now oh it's time for the air to come on our our temperature range is really 60 to 80 degrees fahrenheit year round i I mean maybe 84 85 and overnight we might touch 58 degrees really 60 at night 80 during the day 60 to 80 you can count on that and there's hardly a day a year that we don't touch 72 degrees fahrenheit which is roughly 22 Celsius. Sure. Gosh, for, your, for your listeners, um, for us, man, that's that's in the wheelhouse. That is the pie in the sky. And when I when you've got 72 degrees, I, that's a lot of happiness for me. For us, <laughs> uh, that's that's ideal. So climate was obviously a big big part of the picture. Uh, on why you chose that area? Because we could get get rid of about three quarters of our clothes. Uh, when, when your climate is the same year round, you don't yes. need a lot of diversity. Uh, and, and when the climate is like this, you can be outside all of the time, day and night. So it, it seems odd when you come from the United States. We were in a 3,500 square foot house and we move here and you're looking at small apartments and you're like, gosh, there's giving up. we're going to be jammed in here. We're in less than a thousand square feet for an apartment now, which certainly does seem tiny. Two bedroom, three and a half bath. Two and a half bath. Two and a half bath. Two bedroom, two and a half bath. Is that what I said? And it's, um, but it's open to the air all the time. And we've got enough space for us. We're happy with this. It's, it's a good fit because you can be outside all the time. Right, right. Yeah, I, I've I've heard that a lot as well as I've I've talked to people in in areas. You're you, it's hard sometimes to make that shift mentally, right? You're you like I was uh, uh, one of our uh, our gals in our our coaching group was talking about bringing her elliptical with her, right? And it's like <laughs> she's in Virginia, right? And and you know nasty weather and whatnot. It's like well, if you move somewhere nice. Then you can. You don't have to. You have a use an elliptical. You can. You know. Why? We have a gym in our basement, or you can join a local gym around here. I mean, there's so many things you just don't have to bring that people, because in in the United States, you know, we're we're gatherers. We we buy and we accumulate, and you know, some people hoard, and it's it's so unusual to think I don't need that. I don't need to bring that because I can get it anywhere. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So our, our move was pretty simple. We had two large suitcases a piece that we checked. So four checked bags and two carry-ons each. And that's how we made our move. Wow. And of course, every year that we've gone back, we brought more stuff with oh, us. Sure. 
but we did not ship a container. We have friends that did, and you know they're happy. They've got their 16 place setting servings for their you know their big dinner parties and stuff, which we just don't do. And it's 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 very um, individual. It's a very individual decision as to what you bring and what you don't need. There's a lot of challenges with shipping. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure. We far the majority, the vast majority of our friends and acquaintances have issues with shipping there's maybe two success stories that everything got here in good shape in in a timely manner (laughs) Um, most most of the time there's hassles sometimes very significant and costly Um, that furniture that you think you've got to have you guess what they've got here they have furniture here yeah Uh, it's (laughs) and it's fantastic furniture particularly where we're at it's People, what people think they need to, when you move from Illinois to Wisconsin, you take all that with you. When you move from Illinois to Columbia, no, don't. Yeah. It's, it's not a good idea. Yeah. So one thing I want to, how is, um, one of the issues people are looking at is accessibility uh, for the place. I assume there's a, a pretty good size airport where you guys are. Is it pretty easy to get back to the States or, or where you want to go? When we first moved here, the international airport, it's its outside of Medellin. It's up at really on the top of the mountains, which is really nice for flying in and out. Um, it was a 40-minute cab drive to get to the airport from our, our location. If there's no traffic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but once you get out of the town, which we're really close to the edge of the city, it's, it's really straight flight. But now they have um, opened, as of right before the pandemic hit, they opened a tunnel, which goes through the mountains. So now that's about 20 minutes for us. To get to the international airport, and then what we tell people because they think Colombia is so far away, you know, going we always fly back through Chicago because that's where friends and family are. And I say, well, it takes us less than three hours to get from Colombia to Miami, and it takes more than three hours to get from Miami to Chicago. So we're actually closer to, to Miami than you are, is what I tell my Chicago friends. Right. And they're kind of, no, they just don't get that. And and really getting to and from the airport is very easy. Uh, we have white taxis that will take you just to and from the airport. It's all regulated, so you don't have to negotiate a price. The government sets the price. Um, it's, you know, you just got to call one, and they, they pick you up and get you there. And then there's always white taxis circling around the airport when you get off a flight, even if it's 1230 or 1 in the morning. You can just jump in a white taxi, and, you know, we could be home in 20, 25 minutes. Not issue. Wow, that's awesome. So it is. It's a great airport. Very yeah. modern. And it just expanded like another six gates or something in the past few years. So it's growing. It's a significant amount of growth. Uh, Tourism has picked up immensely in the last 10 years in in Colombia. Like 300%. And and Medellin is a big part of that. Yeah. Wow. So have you done uh, much traveling in other parts of the country or, or I know pandemic has changed everything for everybody, but um, you've been there for what it looks like seven, about seven years. About six and a half right now. Uh, and we have visited a few uh, towns around Medellin. Uh, not having a car, we always either needed to tag along with somebody or, in all honesty, you can, you can hire a driver. Sure. Him and his car for the day for maybe a hundred bucks, $110 US dollars. So you can, that way you don't have to worry about driving and getting around. They'll be with you all day and it just makes life easier. Yeah. Very economical. Uh, so we visited a few towns around us. We haven't been to Bogota. We have been to, airport. we have been to Carta, uh, Cartagena. Um, 
I, we've been down to coffee country. Yeah, I we we planned on doing a lot more to be honest. <laughs> we actually love it here in the city that we just hadn't gotten around to it and and we're both working from home during the week so that's a little trickier. Um, yeah, yeah, I want to get to that as well. Medellin was the in the past Medellin was the nice climate area that the wealthy Colombians came it's to. The resort town. It was the resort town in the mountains and it had the great weather so people from Cali and Cartagena and Bogota came here because the the climate was so much better than what was in their cities. Two of those much hotter and Bogota much cooler. Um, so I'm, I'm not strongly drawn to visit those other cities. You're pretty happy where you are. I, shh, don't tell anybody, <laughs> but we're, we're in the best city. Shh, don't, that's just between you and me. Okay. Yeah, we want to tell. Um, so did you, you live in an apartment? Did you purchase the apartment or are you renting? Um, we rented for a little over a year and we okay. walked the neighborhoods to see where we would like to live. And we ended up buying a place that's literally three blocks from where we were renting. Oh, okay. um, we love the neighborhood. And in fact, it's, it's only gotten better, honestly, since we moved here, which is now five years ago. Um, the main kind of party area where a lot of good restaurants were located, but there are also bars and clubs, which is just not our scene. Um, that's, that became full and it was very expensive for people to rent there. So a lot of the nicer restaurants have moved away from that party scene and many of them have come our direction. So they're oh, actually, nice. so yeah, so that was and some of them have closed obviously from last year and we're hoping yeah. that more will come back, but we're seeing more construction all the time. You know, people redoing interiors and hopefully going to open a new place very soon. Everything that we tell you gets an asterisk for, yeah. for 20 for last year, 2020, it's just, it's, yeah. it's a, a mess. Um, but we, we always encourage everybody, whether, wherever you're thinking about going to, go and rent and live there for at, at least a few months, if not a year, and check out some different areas. I'm glad that we visited and talked to a lot of people in different areas instead of just coming down here and buying right off the bat. Uh, I, we have a number of friends that have done that, and some of them are really happy with where they're at. And some of them wish that they were maybe in a different neighborhood. No, that I'm glad you said that, Darren. That's excellent advice and exactly what we teach as well. And it doesn't matter what country you're thinking about going to. It's a agreed. good it's a good thing to do no matter where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know what it's like there, but um, one of the things, like my friend Diane um, made the mistake of signing a year lease when she moved down here and realized like, you know, that's not necessarily the smart thing to do. And most places here are month to month. Is that uh, what you, you, is typical in uh, your area? You can, you can certainly get, uh, short, um, a month would be probably still classified as short term leasing here. Obviously you get a little, or can get a little better rate if you have a long-term lease. Okay. Um, one of the, one of the issues that, Gring or I just say gringos, but really I mean expatriates. So if you're if you're not Colombian and you're wanting to rent an apartment for six months or a year, um, they're going to ask for a fiador, which is in essence somebody that is backing up your a guarantor, basically. A, a guarantee, financial guarantor, um, or they might ask you to pay for six months or twelve months in advance, so that they're they don't want somebody moving in doing something and then taking off. Uh, and apparently that was an issue in the past. There's a, there's a lot of colorful history here. Um, 
And so some people might have a bit of a bad taste. Uh, I, we ended up renting by contract. We rented a room uh, from, from people. The, the place we stayed for a year, the guy lived in Bogota three out of four weeks a month. He came back to the apartment one week a month. Uh, so by contract, we rented a room from him, but we had the whole apartment three quarters of the time. Gotcha. Uh, it was it was a very nice setup for all of us. You can find arrangements like that. Um, and there's certainly more gringos that own property down here for rental. Yeah, he was uh, British. Also. He was not a Colombian. Um, so he was willing to just work with us. Gotcha. You know, what he needed. The one thing I will add on, and this is kind of important because especially if people who want to come here and maybe get a rental or like buy an investment property, for example, and not stay here, is they're very, very particular and the law is very clear about short-term rentals. And for instance, in our building, there's nothing uh, nothing allowed less than a month. month. So there's no weekly, there's no weekend, nothing like that because it's a residential building and they don't want a lot of transient people coming and going. There are some buildings that people can come and rent for a weekend or for a week, but that entire building has to be short-term rental oh, authorized. Okay. And so really the only way to do that is like 70% of the owners all have to agree that yes, we'll allow short-term rental. Otherwise it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Because quite uh, commonly here, obviously pre COVID as well, but People would sign a long-term lease, maybe a five-year lease, and then they turn, you know, arbitrage, and then turn around and turn it into an Airbnb uh, or something. And there's really not, um, you know, written leases. I don't, you know, I'm sure they they're here, but a lot of it's pretty loosey-goosey, a little tighter uh, controlled there, which is good. I mean, if you're buying a property. Um, as an investment property for yourself, obviously, and yeah. you don't have that intention, it's probably better to have those restrictions. I like having the majority of our building is owners, and I like the because they respect the property more right. than a, a renter, and a lot more than a short-term renter. Sure. And so, uh, behavior at the pool is better, and I, you know, I'm not interested in some my neighbor having a wild party and prostitutes and drugs on the weekend, every weekend, because it's a different renter every weekend. Yes. I don't want to live by that. Yeah, understand. Um, wow, that's good to know. Cool. Um, well, I think this might be a good place to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castillito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Is it time to go? Are you starved for adventure and new experiences? Do you feel like you're slowly dying inside just a little, day by day? 
Are you afraid of having to work forever and never have enough money to retire or live the life you've always imagined? Life doesn't have to be that way. Instead, imagine waking up in paradise every day saying, pinch me, is this real? Join me for a how to live in paradise without worrying about the price tag. In this free live workshop, you'll walk away with your own custom roadmap to a dream life in paradise without breaking the bank. Register at OverseasLifeRedesign.com for our next free workshop. Okay, and we're back. I would love, thank you, a fun little break there, a little break in the action. Um, I would love to dive into what you've done um, with your careers and for work and, and how I know you're recovering your attorney, kindred soul. And uh, uh, I know what that transition was like for me, but I'd love to hear what it was like for you. And then also, um, you know, Darren, and, and if you guys work together or, or you've kind of done your own, your own things or what, what you guys do. Um, so I didn't know what I was going to do after I quit my job and Darren said, well, just take like six months off, be my trophy wife. I'm like, Oh, sure. Okay. okay. Um, that didn't last. I, I just couldn't do nothing. Um, so after about three months, but she was a great trophy wife. Thank you. <laughs> I bet she was <laughs> until I started going crazy. I got to do something. I got to do something. So after about three months, it just kind of came to me that we love to travel and we love food and wine and things of that nature. And I said, you know what, I'm going to look into travel writing. So I started taking some courses online through various different entities that offer them and started doing some travel writing, which I really enjoyed and was, was pretty, uh, I was pretty active in that actually uh, had quite a few articles published. I had a few in uh, an airline magazine, a very small airline that flies out of here. I uh, thought that was pretty cool. So I've got, you know, my, articles in print, but then, okay, first of all, travel was starting to, to decline a little bit, but also it just, um, it wasn't opening the doors that I was kind of hoping that, you know, we'd get the free trips and all the, you know, the nice oh, yeah. tools like that. It, it, Cause you have to really, really be the top tier of travel writers to do stuff like that. Sure. So I thought, well, I'm, you know, what else could I do? I like writing. Uh, apparently was pretty good at it. And then I started looking into copywriting. So I took more online classes and learned how to be a copywriter, which is basically just persuasive writing. And, and it's everywhere all around you in sales letters. It's also on websites. It's, it's everywhere. And um, long story short, I started writing for the wine business and I was reaching out to wineries and especially in California, which we're very familiar with because Darren can tell you what he used to do. So that's our wine connection. And the wildfires hit and wineries were just hoping to stay in business. They weren't worried about their marketing so much. They're trying to salvage their, their crops. And I thought, you know, this is silly. I've got 23 years of experience in the law. So I said, I'm just going to pivot last year and said, I'm going to go into legal copywriting. So now basically what I do is I write websites um, and blogs and newsletters and marketing materials for law firms and solo, te- uh, solo attorneys. And that's good for you. It's really kind of clicked because I know what they're doing. They don't have to explain their business to me. I know who their clients are. I know who they're trying to reach and all that just comes together. And I'm able to write a good website that brings people in. They they can trust them and they'll, they'll reach out and make a new client out of them. So 
it's it's fascinating to see the copy go from what what some lawyer threw together that they thought was a great idea and then when Wendy gets a hold of it and it actually it's it's like having the blandest bowl of soup in the world and then Wendy adds seasoning and structure and and you can actually follow it and and then you go oh my gosh this is this is actually somewhat pleasant to read <laughs> instead oh of a journey I, you know what, and that is as a really lucrative skill to have and so needed. I'll tell you a quick story. So I was a second career attorney. I, I started my career in real estate and then went through divorce and in a moment of insanity, decided to go back to school and became a lawyer. And so when I um, got hired in my first job, the attorney that I worked with had a very boutique practice and wanted to expand. So I got involved with the Legal Marketing Association in Orange County, California. And that's when I realized how horrible attorneys are at marketing. And I went to work to, it was, I mean, this was back in 1996. So it was almost even pre-internet days. We're talking more about print, you know, brochures and, and things like that. But I'll never forget going through, it was, the, it was really in the early days of websites. And a lot of them just had um, Westlaw was um, was was the one that was kind of trying to get attorneys online and, and their website set up. And it was it was hilarious because it was all about me, all about where I went to school and all these awards that I got and me, 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 me. And of course, if you know anything about marketing, it's WIIFM, right, is what the radio station your clients listen to. So I know exactly what you're dealing with, and I'm sure it's probably evolved somewhat since, you know, 25 years ago. But nevertheless, um, that certainly isn't something that they teach in law school. And it's a different animal. I mean, with the laws against solicitation, I found that very, very frustrating as a lawyer because you're, it's very difficult, you know, to market um, because of the rules that are in place. So Good for you. That's a that's an amazing niche um, that you've that's found. Where it was it was pretty uh, effective because when everything cl closed down, people still needed lawyers. They were still they were still worried and had troubles, and most lawyers then went virtual. Yes. And so they realized I can't go face to face. I can't go to my chamber of commerce. I need to put up a decent website because that's, that's right. How people are going to find me. There's a lot of bad websites out there. <laughs> 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 Don't I know it? Don't I know it? Wow. Well, what a great service you're providing for people because they definitely need help in that area. Absolutely. And the other big bonus that turned out from last year, I know it was a horrible year for so many people, but so many people went online with Zoom and all these other virtual aspects. Most people don't know that I'm in Colombia. They don't care as long as I can deliver an electronic file to them with the, the copy that they need and I can do these calls. I could be you know, next door to you in Mexico, or I could be back in the States. Nobody, it doesn't matter anymore. Whereas people, that's exactly have, oh, right. if you're not in my town, I don't know if I want to deal yes. with you know, that. That's all been erased. So yes. that it's been opening huge doors for virtual writers, especially. Absolutely. Um, awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, uh, congratulations. That's a, that's a great transition. I love it. So Darren, Let's, uh, let's hear a little bit about what you've been doing. My, my career was in the wine and spirits industry. I was a wholesaler in the state of Illinois. Oh, bummer. For 20 years. And <laughs> when I said, it's his job, it's my hobby. Um, so 
a lot of our travel centered around vi visiting wineries also and, and distilleries and um, still is to some extent. Um, but obviously that's, that's not something that was going to transition well to making a living in a, in a foreign country. Uh, I had always been interested in investing. I traded my first options when I was still in high school. And uh, what I did was I, I just concentrated uh, a lot more in the, in the last several years, um, learning more details and strategies of trading. And so, uh, and I can do that on my computer anywhere in the world. And so I, I, I trade options. Oh, okay. Good for you. The U.S. stock market. U.S. stock market. The New okay. York stock exchange, which is great because right now we're on New York time. And then uh -huh. when the United States springs ahead, we'll be on Chicago time. So we're always with. Oh, America. so you're the same. Same thing here. We don't do daylight savings time here. So part of the year we're Eastern time and then the rest of the time it's central. So, yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah we don't need to because our, our light, like I said, 12 hours every day of, of daylight. So it doesn't doesn't matter what. Yes. Yeah, very, very much so. So, um, so, so no more wine, wine, or uh, you've kind of just transitioned out of that completely. You're, you're not. In the when, yeah, when we moved, uh, you know, I, I, I probably quit my job six months before we moved, and then I, I mean, my job then became we had a lot of stuff to sell uh -huh. and use and and getting out of one house and getting that sold. Uh, so Wendy continued working, but I, I think it was close to six months that I, I stopped working before we left and began prepping our exit. Um, it's not, you know, it's not something you just throw together in, in four weeks. Um, there's, Some a, people do, but we don't. uh, well, for us, we were going to get rid of most everything and sell our house. A, a lot of people keep, uh, significant assets such as a, a house or other stuff in the States. Um, uh, we didn't have that much. Uh, we needed that money to buy an apartment or do something else somewhere else. So uh, everything became liquid. So you you burned the boat. You you left and uh, said, we're doing this. Because some people do keep a residence for a little while while they're sort of testing the waters or renting. And so forth. But you didn't do that. You just said, we're, we're going. That's it. And it is our intention to never live in the United States again. Wow. You know, and I would, I would say most of our friends here in Medellin that had, that kept their home in the States, they went back within a year or two and they've sold that. I'm trying to think of anybody that still has, I can't, I can't think of anybody offhand that still has a house in the States. I think they've all, after a while, they all get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they don't want to rent them out. They don't want to be a distant landlord. And they, once they've, once they've been here or so to speak out of the U S for a while, they realize, yeah, I don't want to ever go back. So yeah. but some of them have moved from different countries. So we have people here that have lived in Cuenca, Ecuador for a couple of years or Panama, various places through Panama uh, before coming here. So instead of going back to the States, they've moved on to another foreign country <laughs> and Mexico too. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Um, cool. Well, let me um, ask about a couple of um, bit more things before we wrap up. Uh, one is um, the as far as residency, are they um, pretty flexible in terms of, of allowing expats in? There's there's quite a few options. Um, I also <laughs> I also write for a law firm 
here in Colombia that oh. caters to expats. So they want all their stuff done in, in native English. So oh, I out with some of their newsletters and things. So I kind of know a little more about residency and renting and stuff like that. Um, but there's multiple options between a pensioner's okay. uh, visa, which we're not eligible for, obviously. Uh, investors visa, where you can invest in a Colombian company. And I, I want to say it's it's less than fifty thousand dollars right now. Oh, wow. is, is the, okay, it's the threshold uh, because the peso and the dollar have have really gone in the dollar favor. Um, but what we are on is a, a a real estate investment, kind of combined with an investment um, uh, in a, in a Colombian company. So that it's a higher threshold, but we have a five-year permanent renewable visa. In fact, we just went and renewed our, our cedulas, our ID cards, uh, earlier this month. So we had one year on a temporary when we just did an investment in the Colombian company because we did not have an apartment yet. Then we got the apartment. We rolled everything together for a five-year. And now that we've been here six years, we just renewed again for another five years. Gotcha. Um, and it's, I mean... I would recommend using an attorney, especially if you don't speak the language and, oh, right. you know, naturally, which we don't, and we still struggle with Spanish. Um, but just having an attorney kind of walk you through it and make sure all the paperwork is right. Just to me, it's worth it. Yeah. Just because you have conversational Spanish doesn't mean you have legal Spanish. Oh, absolutely. To me, that's two different languages. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's, it's, it can be easy to get rolled or to, to roll into a lot of trouble in, in any language that's not your native language uh, when you get into legal stuff. So just mm -hmm. get some protection, get well, some knowledge. Wendy, if you were, if the law firm you work with has resources on their website in English, um, maybe I can get that link from you and I'll include that in the show notes. And if there's, you know, some description. We also invest through them because so it's three brothers, Gutierrez group. And the eldest brother is the attorney. He used to work with his father, but they went off. The three boys kind of went off on their own business. And the other two work in real estate investment and agricultural investment. Oh, fantastic. So we use them for our law firm. And we also use them for a timber investment that we're involved in with them, which will pay out in 2023. Okay, great. Yeah, that would be a great resource. Um, if we can that. And so, their English is excellent, but not native speaking. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that's attractive about Mexico, of course, is their 180-day tourist visa. People can actually come here. In fact, a lot of our Canadian friends don't even have more than a tourist visa because they don't stay longer than six months. So they'll just come in on a tourist visa, spend the winter, and then go back in the spring. Are they um, fairly generous with tourist visa? Or, or? Yeah, we have the exact same thing. You can come oh. in on a 90-day tourist visa, and then you can renew it online while you're oh. here. For another 90 days, and then oh, you need to leave, um, and that's all within a 365-day period. So one you can't thing. do it like at the end of one year and tack it on to the beginning of the next year. It's the six months, and then you got to wait another six months before you come back. Gotcha. Okay, but somebody could come down, you know, do a beta test, for example, um, easily on a tourist. Oh, visa. easy. Yeah. Or snowbird. Yeah, know? yeah. We know people come in snowbird just on a tourist visa, even though they own an apartment here. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right, awesome. That helps. And then the um, final question that um, people come up, that's like one of the main things is, of course, the, the health insurance issue. What uh, are you doing? The medical, care here, the medical care here is first world, easily. Um, Cutting edge, technology, your, everything. Every doctor we've met is multilingual, uh, very, very easy to speak to. And... 
the generally I would say the services, what you're wanting to get done, you're probably looking at 10 to 25% of the cost in the United States. Uh, until recently, we did what's called going naked. And that means we didn't carry any insurance at all. When we wanted to have something done, we just paid for it out of pocket because it's so economical. I mean, it's just, it's silly how economical it is compared to the insanity of the United States. When we travel to the U.S., we always buy insurance just in case because (laughs) it's a a fortune if something happens. Um, But down here, we lived here without insurance until just the last year and a half. We uh, got on the insurance plan and it's a few dollars a month. It's just 140 mil. So what would that be? So we're probably 35 to 40 dollars a month for both of us. That covers both of us for the our insurance. So is that strictly for Colombia or is that a, a more of a global? So it's just for the country in Colombia. And that they have changed the rules somewhat. I'm not quite up to speed on it because we're not applying for a new visa. But if you are applying for an extended visa beyond just the tourist stamp, of course, um, you they are checking to make sure that if you want to stay for a year or five years or three years, there's different options that you are enrolled in what's called EPS. And that's kind of the nationwide insurance plan, which is what we have. It's the basic minimum. You don't have to have a private policy on top of it, but we have friends that do. Um, but if you're, if you're enrolled in the EPS, which it also helps fund their, their social security, um, their pension type of thing for all the Colombians. So they want everybody to be involved in that. And again, we're on the minimum amount. It's about 30, $40 a month. And uh, they want to make sure that you have that and that you're paying into it before they will issue you a new visa. So gotcha. that's kind of the past year or so. It's almost like a, a, a major medical, old style major medical type of policy. Yes. yes. But okay. I, I had basal cell uh, cancer on my lower lip. And I don't know what, it, I technically, I guess it would have been free to go through insurance and get all that done. Um, maybe had to wait. I, I don't know. We didn't pursue that. We just ended up paying for it out of pocket and making our, our own arrangements on everything. And so it was about 1200 US dollars to get that done. Uh, they did what's called the Mose technique, uh, which is a, a more modern current technique. Uh, speaking to doctors, uh, the friends that we have here spoke to people in the US and said, yep, that's, that's very up to date. That's cutting edge technique. And a friend of ours that worked at a hospital in the US she estimated based upon what I went through in services that it probably would have been around 40,000 US. Um, so, you know, you would have had a deductible of, I don't know, five or 10,000. And then theoretically your insurance would have covered the rest of that. But here we were just out of pocket 1200 and, and done. Well done privately. Wow. So, and then you mentioned when you travel, so, so if you go outside the country, then you just have uh, a policy, short-term policy for however long you're yeah. traveling. Yeah, so it's travel insurance that, uh, okay. I think it's, it's typically a 45-day policy. And that's what we, when we go to the Caribbean or if we go to the U.S. or whatever, we'll pick up this travel policy. Uh, and we have done a year. We've done an annual policy with them too, but okay, we were going to be coming and going more often. So we just said, let's do it sure. a year. Yeah, yeah, depending on, on how often you travel. Wow, that makes total sense. And we did have to use it once when we were in the States. I got strep throat, strep throat yeah. and visited a clinic um, 
we had to pay the clinic up front and then we turned the receipts into the travel insurance company and they, they covered everything. Nice. Full, full reimbursement for everything. Yeah. But it, that from that aspect, it worked well. I hate insurance, <laughs> but it worked well. I, I mean, insurance isn't it's a fun. It's one, it's one of those things you, you should do. It's, it's a protective measure. Yeah. Uh, it's, so, you know, that's why we do it. Not happy about it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, 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 and in the United States, it, it has just gotten so incredibly expensive. Um, but the, the who, I, one of the things that we, we share with people, because they're like, well, if you're really going to get anything, why didn't you go back to the U.S. to get your cancer treated or whatever? Um, I, I'll ask you this. If, if you had a chance to get your work done at the 20th best clinic, as they're ranked out, you're going to go to the 20th best clinic or you're going to go to the 37th best clinic. I'm you're going to go to the 20th. Yeah. I, I you'd like to be at number one, right? Of but course. you're going to take 20 over the 37. Okay. So the WHO, the Worldwide Health Organization, ranks countries based upon their health care. A uh, number of different factors go into this. Colombia ranks out at 20. Nice. Canada ranks out at 33. The United States ranks out at 37. Yep. You can draw your own conclusions from there. But when, when people ask, well, if anything happens to you, you'd come back to the U.S. to get your work done? No. 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 I, it would be a step backwards for us. Yeah. We'll pay more and, and probably yeah. theoretically not as good based upon that measure. Yeah. So well, my husband has, um, he's 69, so he, we just have Medicare for him as an emergency you know, plan. But yeah, anything uh, that would be reasonably out of pocket would certainly um, be here. I ended up getting a global policy. I pay $110 a month. And interestingly enough, Darren, it excludes coverage in the United States, except for 30 days of emergency. And that's why the premium's so low. And so the yeah. same thing, it's like, well, if I needed something major, would I want even want to go back to the United States? No, absolutely not. I'd go to Europe before I would go to the United States. I and mean, that's where a lot of the top ranked. Um, I consider Colombia. And other, one other thing, and this is no reflection on you, but a little factoid is that Medellin is one of the, uh, the largest medical tourism destinations. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that's for dental and cosmetic surgery. So yeah. they kind of joke that we live in the Silicon Valley. Right. Um, <laughs> Not the Aura Valley. So, um, but a lot of people do come here because it's cheaper to take a trip here. You get treated. I mean, they'll pick you up at the airport. They put you up in a nice little hotel that's near the hospital so you can recover there. They have a nurse that stays with you. All this kind of stuff. You can get all that done for less than it will cost you out of pocket to do it in the States. Absolutely. And it's a vacation. We can offer a connection for you as well if you're interested. Yeah. Um, medical so tourism. Somebody that helps with medical tourism. Oh, fantastic. She's multilingual yes. and based it, she'll talk to you and find out what you want to have done. And then she will find the connections to, to do what you want to get done. Yeah. That, that, it, yeah. It's very popular here as well. Galenia is one of the top ranked hospitals in all of Mexico and they happen to be in Cancun. So uh, there was an article I shared in my workshop about um, actually the doctor and the patient coming down from the United States to perform a, I believe it was a knee replacement 
here because it was a fraction of the cost of like a big self-insurance. Big surgery too. That's uh, that's a lot of work. Now that makes And the doctor gets paid more than that, like three times more than what Medicare would cover, for example. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's really gotten interesting that whole, whole arena. But, um, well, awesome. Um, Before we close, is there anything I haven't asked you that, that you want to share? You know, there, there's always more questions. It seems like the people come up with the, you know, do, do we really feel safe? Yes, we absolutely do feel safe. Um, we, we practice the same kind of measures that we did in Chicago. Um, you know, be aware of your surroundings. You don't, you don't flash a lot of cash. You don't wear your, your big loud jewelry. Uh, it, it makes you a target. Don't go walking through a dark park at two in the morning. Yeah. Uh, we've heard enough of those stories. Well, you know, I, I thought Medellin was safe. Well, it is, but you're in a dark park at two in the morning. You're drunk. They can tell you're stumbling. You're, it's easy to take. And what they want is your phone and your money. And then they're gone. Um, it's, it's the quick grab and go. So, uh, Like any big city. But, but Medellin used to be, I hate to say this, used to be the number one murder capital in the world back in the 80s. And that's... That's the impression everybody has. And the reason you don't hear all the good stuff is because the media doesn't cover good stuff. So I can tell you right now that the top 25 most dangerous cities in the United States, Medellin doesn't even come close to them. Based upon violent crime per yeah, capita. It's, it's so much safer, but you know, people still have misconceptions, yeah. which is what's kept our prices down and our real estate down. So I can't complain about that. But yeah. all family and friends who have ever come to visit us after we moved here, they all said the same thing. Is it safe? Are you going to be okay? After a few days of being here with us, they just said, I get it now. They get it. I see yeah. what you guys were saying. It's not at all what I expected. Mm-hmm. When people when people come back, come back to us and go, it's everything you said it was on Facebook and more. I I, I thought you were throwing a bunch of stories out there. It's it's everything you said it was. Well, yeah. well and it's it's actually been quite a, quite some time since it changed because my husband uh, when we lived in California, the probably it was about maybe 2006 or seven. He actually did work for the Colombian government. The he was a subcontractor for a firm that was uh, doing security cameras for uh, a, a mine. That um, the the FERC guys were still um, trying to wreak havoc, so they were blowing up train tracks. Um, trying to get the the um, I think it was coal to the port, and so they they put up these security cameras to kind of keep an eye on things. But that was after they had kind of removed the the drug um, lords and and started turning things around. So this has been you know what probably at least fifteen years since he worked on that project, and I do know that that it was before that that they really started to turn things around. So it's, you're right. It's, it's been a while uh, since things have been safe, but shh, we won't tell anyone. Yeah. This is on the down low. This is. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, you guys sound like you just have an amazing life and um, I'll have to, you know, figure out when I can come visit you after this uh, pandemic uh, dies down. And uh, we just, it's yeah, definitely we'll high on our list of places to visit and, and scope out from everything. We certainly say, you know, it's, it's not for everybody. Uh, it, it works well for us. Like, just like Cancun is not for everybody, right. uh, but it is, but it is for you. Um, yeah. If you're going to come here, you do need to 
you need to brush up on your Spanish you, to, to at least have something to get by with a bit. You know, we're, we're not as good as we should be, but um, I can generally make myself understood and maybe understand the response. Uh, but I, I can't go to a party and have a conversation in Spanish. That's uh, too, too much going on. But We're hearing a lot and hearing and seeing a lot more English, though. Ah. It's, it's definitely becoming more of a tourist attraction, barring last year. And uh, there's a lot more people and a lot more young people, of course, are, are learning it in school. So it's getting easier for us to be lazy. You know, our metro service that uh, is a huge part of the transportation system here when we got here, everything was in Spanish on that. They now have signs and announcements in English and Spanish. So they're clearly that the city is growing and making those kind of adjustments. So uh, is it easier than when we got here? Yeah. Uh, but I, I still recommend that you, yeah. you know, well, try and fit in. Yeah. Try yeah. and join the culture. Don't try and fight it. Oh, agreed. And I always say it's a sign of respect, you know, at least learn a little bit to um, be able to you know, at least have some basic. Um, it goes a long way here too. They're so patient. You know, they're, they're not the type that, Oh, speak Spanish. They're, yeah. They'll listen. No, no, I, under, I understand. I understand. Like, no, this is terrible. I know it's terrible, <laughs> but they're like, no, you speak excellent. You know, ah, thanks. Oh, <laughs> God bless and, them. <laughs> interesting uh, feature for the culture here. It's, it's generally a non tipping culture, yeah. which is so foreign for North Americans. Sure. And, and when we've been in Mexico, you, you tipped all the time and, and especially in the tourist areas. Yeah. Uh, but here you, you go get your nails done, you get your hair cut, you Taxis. have a taxi ride. You, you don't tip any of those people. You pay the rate and you leave it alone. Restaurants charge 10%. They're, they're happy, you know, to get a tip, but you are changing their culture. Our, our Spanish teacher, she was adamant about it. She said, if you're going to live here, respect our culture. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're a wealthy gringo or you've got more money than we do, but don't come down here and throw that money around and then and you, you make everybody else look bad. This yeah. is our culture. Stop changing our culture. Nice. And I, I found that to be a very good point. And, but it's, it is so difficult for gringos to, to come here and get good service well, and I, not tip for it. I just got my hair cut. And my haircut was less than six U.S. dollars. And during the pandemic, when it was when he was unable to work and do much, I, I did tip him more. But out of respect of the culture, uh, you know, I'll tip him at Christmas time or something then, but not each haircut because that's not what you do here culturally. Right. Well, that's a good point. I'm, I'm glad you said that uh, because. We, we do end up taking our baggage with us sometimes, and yeah. it's, it's not... Uh, well, and until you live here, you wouldn't know. Right. Um, it's, it's one of those things that you learn living here. That well, People think they're being generous, and I yeah. understand that, but it, it's just not appropriate. Yeah, good deal. It's awkward sometimes. <laughs> for sure. All right, you guys. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And uh, I can't wait to uh, have, share your story with everybody. It's, it's really uh, um, inspirational and, and you guys gave so much. So thank you. The opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity. It's great Don. to meet you. If you got any questions, you know how to reach us. Yeah.
we're happy to share. And we hope people, maybe someday they'll be living the dream in Medellin. <laughs> oh, that's cute. I love it. <laughs> I thought that was a nice way to close out. Right? <laughs> Perfect. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit www.overseasliferedesign.com and register for our upcoming free live workshop, How to Live in Paradise Without Worrying About the Price Tag. We'd also love for you to become a part of our Live and Earn in Paradise Facebook group. Thank you for listening.